Good morning. It's nice to be up here. Um, okay, I'm just gonna get started because he already has shared a lot. <laughs> uh, we're under the banner of restoration series that we're doing right now. And I guess for Hugh and I, at the end of last year, we felt reminded of who God has called us to be. Um, not that we had forgotten, but sometimes we need to be reminded again of why are we here? Why do we plant Restoration Church? Why did God establish Restoration Church here, call it in to be, to be in this time, in this place? And it even brought us back to the name of our church, Restoration, and that we're to be a place of restoration. And what does that mean? So God gave us the heart and the vision for this church. Do you believe that? Right? It's not a man-made thing. The church is holy. And I know we say that all the time, but the church is holy. It's God's idea. It's his thing. It's not our thing. Um, and I know you might say, why do we always say that? Why do we need to know all the time that it's not our thing? Because sometimes we have ideas of what we want from the church, or what we think it should be, or we can maybe want it to be this or that or this or that. But when we understand that it's actually God's thing, it's holy, it's, it's God-ordained, um, it's not a platform for our ministries, it's not something that we can just use and for our own what we need, or get it to be what we want it to be. It's his thing. And when he gave us the heart and the vision for restoration, um, that's, we have to believe that it came from God, so that we don't, so that we remember it's a God-given thing. He gave us the heart and the vision. The church may change, grow, we have to have different kinds of programs and different kinds of ministries as we need, but the heart of restoration is God-given and God-ordained. It's going to stay the same. God gave us the heart, and the heart has always been for the lost. The heart has always been to see people saved and for a heart for people that's where um, restoration was birthed out of, is a heart for people and a heart for the lost, and a heart to see people restored. Sorry, I lost my place. So this morning, that's what I'm speaking on, is God's heart and his love for people, for the lost. Um, again, we were prophetic, we were reminded at the end of the year last year of just the prophetic things God's spoken over us as a church. So I want to look at Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To lose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, the spiritually hungry, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? We're here for that. That's what restoration is here for. That's why God put us here. To lose the cords of injustice, break the yoke, set the oppressed free, share what we have with the hungry, the spiritually hungry, the spiritually thirsty, share Jesus with them. Clothe the naked, those who have not had dignity, and not turn away from people, the people that God has put us living near and nearby and in our, in our sphere and in our city. To love the people that come in, right? To bring freedom to captives. 
We want to be a safe place, a shelter. And people already say that that's what they feel when they come here, just a safe place where people can come and they can learn about God and grow in, in the things and the ways of God in a safe place without being judged as they learn and as they grow, as we all learn and as we all grow. And I want to say this morning that as I was preparing this week, God showed me that this is who we already are. This isn't who you strive to be. It's not like the prophetic is like, we're going to be that one day. This is who we are. This is in the DNA of our church already. So it's good. That just brings settledness. We're just speaking what we already are as a church. So we were also given four R's by the Lord. Four R's. Words with R's. And so we decided to take some time this month just to um, dig in to a little deeper to what those R's are. So God spoke these four over us. It's kind of small if you can see it, but I'll read them out. The first is to rescue. He spoke on that last Sunday. Just to rescue. To be a people who actually go out and take the captives back. Those that the enemy has held captive. What do I mean by that? He shared out of Abraham, um, the story of Abraham, how he went and rescued his relatives from the enemy's camp when they were held captive. And in the same way, the enemy has people captive in our city and in our neighborhoods and around us. Their lives on a way to destruction and to death. It is life and death. It actually is life and death. And we are a people who are willing to go and do something about it. We are willing to actually go. Remember Mark Bailey was here, for those who were here, and he shared the story of the woman, I don't know all the details, but the woman in New York who was getting murdered and all these people around heard and nobody did anything about it. And that's not who restoration is. We're people who actually come out of our homes, put ourselves at risk for the sake of saving someone. The people who say, I'm going to do something about this. Not that we can save, but we can go and we can share the love of Jesus. So isn't that awesome? That's who we are. That's amazing. A church of people who are willing to be vulnerable for the sake of saving someone, carrying the heart of Jesus to the lost. And Mark also reminded us and challenged us to live, at least challenging to me, to live every day on mission for Jesus. Just to be on mission for Jesus, which certainly changes the way that you get up and go into the world every day. And the whole home way we go oftentimes, but to go sent with purpose and to realize that our lives actually are on mission for Jesus to rescue people. So again, Hugh showed on rescue last week. And today I'm showing a restore, which is the second R. And they all kind of go together and blend together. So, you know, we'll overlap some. But um, just God's heart to restore people. Restore people to relationship with the Father and to restore more than that, the marriages and lives and rebuild and restore the lives of people where the enemy has come and been able to bring destruction and ravage people's lives, their families, their kids, um, all of the problems and the things that you know happen and that you know are happening inside of homes in our city where there's abuse and there's relationships broken. We want to see God restore those things. And he is able to do that. He is able. He's done it for us. So discipleship um, has a lot to do with restoring and seeing people restored. And discipleship takes time, right? It takes a long time. God does do some things quickly, but a lot of times it's walking with people over time and just being willing to walk with them um, through the things that they need and share more of the love of Jesus and more of the teaching of the word and just um, walking with them as they grow and as we all grow.
And biased reform, which kind of goes with restore, but we're a place where people can restore, we're a place where people can be reformed, and we're a place um, that wants to release many people into the things that God has for them, which is exciting to me. Once restored and reformed, we want to release people into the things that God has called them to, whether it's here at this church or it's into the nations. We're called to release and be a sending church. We're not building here for the short term. I just want to remind us this morning that we're building for the next generation and for those who carry on restoration after we're gone. We're building for the long haul. And we want to release many into the things God has called them to. So again, I'm sharing a restore this morning. And what does uh, God want to restore? So I just put a couple things down. First, he wants to restore people and use us to help restore people to right relationship with the Father through knowing Jesus, just through sharing the good news of Jesus. We don't have to be the Father. There is a Father. We're just restoring people through sharing the gospel, the good news about Jesus coming and dying and saving them from their sins and so people can receive forgiveness and they can have relationship with the Father. We all live in a time when people desperately need the love of the Father desperately need the love of the Father. So many don't have a father, or the father they have does more harm than good. Maybe he's belittling, or harsh, or you can never be good enough, or just kind of an absent father who's not involved, and who doesn't invest, or just isn't there. So people need Jesus to know the Father. They need Jesus to be healed, and to hear those words that you're accepted, you're loved, you're chosen, God's not embarrassed or ashamed of you. How much do people need to know that? The Father is not ashamed or embarrassed of you. He looks on you with love and pride, and he doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. Each and every person is fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. And people need to know that. In our culture, we're created to be unique, but there's not a lot of room for that. There's not a lot of room for the uniqueness and the creativity where people have to conform and fit a mold. But God made people unique. And he made every single person unique for a specific plan and a specific thing that only they can do. That's how amazing God is. And he did that. And people need to know that. They need to know that sense of being called and chosen and accepted by God, the Father, the most amazing creator in the world. And without the love of the Father, people are aimless. They're aimless wanderers because they don't have encouragement. Have, nobody ha- people do not have encouragement. Encouragement is so rare. And so if you're one of those Christians that wants to beat yourself up and never feel good, get on to the other side <laughs> because we need to encourage people and we need to speak life and we have to see people as God sees them. And we can't do that if we're not seeing ourselves that way, right? So we want to be a place where people can know encouragement, and we have encouragement flowing freely here, just seeing people as um, God sees them and speaking life where we can. It's rough out there. It's rough out there. I'm not even out there. My kids are out there. I'm in my house, but my kids are out there. (laughs) And it's rough. Hugh's out there, but he's an eternal optimist, so he doesn't count. But the kids, it's rough. They, you know, it's competitive. 
It is, uh, you're not good enough, and the kids are terrible to each other. Um, you know, I, I hope Liam doesn't mind that I share, but he comes home and, you know, I won't say too much, but people say things like, you know, you're trash. That's what your friends say to you. You're trash. You're stupid. You're not good enough. That's what you hear as a 12-year-old adolescent child who's trying to find their way in the world. That's what you hear. And uh, I, I, I just don't understand. But, you know, that's people who don't have the love of God. And they think it's okay to put everybody else down. And that's the world that we live in. It's terrible. He was in the talent show on Friday because he was so proud. He did a, played the bass. I'm really going to embarrass you today, Liam. But he played the bass. Um, he was nice enough to join the band and play the bass. But then, you know, after they, they did this great performance, you volunteered. No, I volunteered. No, he volunteered. But after they did this great performance, then he came home and his friends this week were like, friends, uh, you're actually not very good. You know? So um, that's the kind of world we're in. You're actually not that good on the, on the guitar or on the bass. I mean, that's the world we live in. People that don't have the love of the Father. Because who else would talk like that? People who don't have the love of the Father and don't have acceptance. And that's the world we're in. And God loves people. And even though I don't want to love those people who are saying and doing that stuff, God loves them and he wants us to love them. And that's just a small thing. That's just children in elementary school. There's so much other stuff goes on. And we want, we want to know God's love so we can love and we can bring God's love to people. We want to introduce people to Jesus because Jesus perfectly reflects the Father's love. He gave everything. He paid the ultimate price. He gave his very own son. God, the Father, gave his son, his only son, to show us how much he loves us, to come and take our place. So God doesn't just say he loves us. He showed us. Romans 5, 6-8 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were unlovable, those people who were talking terrible trash, ungodly, selfish, disobedient, proud, God loved us enough to die for us. He gave his life. Therefore, I know God loves you. It's not a feeling. It is a fact. Because you look at Jesus, that's the love of God. And people need Jesus. Secondly, restore people to the purpose and plans God has for their lives. We want to be a place, the enemy takes people off course. Imagine you're born with a purpose and you're born with a destiny and the enemy comes in and brings destruction. The devil brings destruction in people's lives and takes them off course. But we want to be a place that restores people back to the future that God has for them. The future that God had intended for them. The destiny. The purposes of God over their lives. Again, getting back to speaking life and seeing what God has called people to. Seeing the golden people, like Chanel, for those of you who are here, she always say, see the golden people, and I love that. Hugh and I were on a path to, dis to destruction. Our lives were a mess. 
We weren't practically living together. We were living for ourselves completely. We probably would have ended up divorced if we ended up getting married. We probably would have been in many other destructive relationships because of our brokenness. But God, in his mercy, took us off that path. We went to a church meeting just like this, only meeting even smaller, just heard the gospel and, and responded. And God took our lives 180 degrees and actually worked his plan and his purpose in our lives when we were on a path of destruction. And if he can do that with us, and he can do that with some of you, he can do that with anyone, and he can do it again and again and again and again. Because he just wants to keep multiplying. He is not beyond him. If you aren't a person who ever had that kind of radical salvation, that's even better, because it means you just faithfully serve God your whole life. And we tell our kids all the time, rather be someone who faithfully served God their whole life walks with the Lord than having to, you know, have this little wow testimony. So just to encourage everyone. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's amazing for every single person. God has plans to prosper them. Plans that are good for hope and a future. And that's what people need. They need Jesus and they need to know their future is bright in God. I need to know that all the time still. So people need to know that. God has a wonderful, amazing plan for every person. I know I get emotional and passionate, so you guys are used to it. (laughs) So restoration is here to restore purpose and destiny in people's lives. The prophet Joel says in chapter 2, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. God is a God that restores time. Time when the enemy has stolen, God can restore that time. He will restore what the locusts have eaten. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Beautiful promise from God. So God's heart is for, I was reminded this week, God's heart is for the fatherless, it's for the victim, it's for the poor, it's for the spiritually sick. God's heart is for those, those people. And the enemy wants to use those things in their lives and people's lives for destruction. But God wants to restore. It seems overwhelming, but really God brought me back this week just to the simplicity of just share what you have. Just share what you have. Just not keeping it to ourselves. Putting ourselves out for the lost. Being willing to be vulnerable and risk rejection. Put ourselves out in harm's way so some can be saved. Matthew 25, 35 tells a story about sheep and goats. Jesus is talking. Some of you may know it. A sheep obviously being God's people, his followers. So I'm going to read. You don't have to go there. I'll just read it. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need in clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And also in John 21, 17, Peter keeps, Jesus keeps asking Peter if he loves him. He keeps asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter starts getting offended because he says his answer to God is, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And what was Jesus' response? If you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And God just keeps taking me back to that simplicity of just feeding the spiritually hungry, giving them what we have, offering Jesus, offering what we have, the hope that we have. We're called to feed the spiritually hungry, clothe the naked, free the oppressed, Give the answer, which is Jesus. All clothed in the power of God, with his power and his strength, not by our power and our strength. And you may be here this morning and you may say, some of that is me. Some of that is me. I, I might have some of that. And that's good because that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Because God does want to do these things in us. Remember in Acts 3, when Peter heals a lame beggar, he says, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He gave healing to the lame beggar because that's what he needed. Give what we have. We don't have a silver or gold. We don't have a lot of things. We don't have all the answers, but we have Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can give what we have. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's opposition from the enemy, right? We have opposition, especially when we're trying to do something to reach people or advance the kingdom in any way. We're going to have opposition. We're going to have opposition. But we don't need to be afraid. We need to pray and recognize the attack. Pray and recognize the attack when it comes. The devil is not all-powerful. He can't be everywhere. He, he doesn't have all authority. So what does he do? He just lies, and he brings fear and doubt. That's how he comes at us. He can take normal, relatively normal struggles and life issues, and he can just magnify them out of proportion through fear and be completely crippling to us. That's what he does. Do you guys ever have weeks where you just feel like you spend the whole week just crying out to God, like, Lord, help me, help me. I don't know if I can get through this, this struggle or this whatever I'm dealing with. I had a week like that this week. I had a week like that, where I just, every day I was like, Lord, help me. Because um, I was preparing to preach. Two kids were homesick. One of them's a seventh grader going through the grueling high school process here, which, as you guys know, is terrible, and you can't really miss anything. They had three projects, a presentation, and then two exams were studying. We were all in the midst of being home with fever for, you know, four days, and stomach bug, and I'm, meanwhile, I'm trying to hear God. I also was chaperoning a field trip and then had four sport games on Saturday. And those are the times where I'm like, Lord, help me. I actually, I need you, like, I need you right now. I don't know if I can get everybody going and do it all. And I struggle to sleep in those weeks. That's when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm just like, I can't because my to-do list, right, just in my head. And that's when I know I'm vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. It's in the middle of the night when I'm awake. Because those irrational fears can just come and they feel so big. 
but that's the enemy. And now I'm starting to recognize it. And you start to recognize it and you know, what do I do in those times? I pray. I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray. And I don't give in. And that's what, that's what the enemy does. But I want to encourage us this morning with something discouraging. <laughs> not really discouraging. David had weeks like that, not just weeks like that. He had months and years like that. And he has many psalms. Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day I have sorrow in my heart. And how long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord. Give light to my eyes or I'll sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. That's David crying out to the Lord. That's what we need to do. When the fear comes, in whatever way the enemy attacks, everyone's vulnerable in different areas, whether it's finances or marriage or fear of something, but the enemy will come and make you kind of feel like everything's not going to be okay. That feeling like everything's not going to be okay. Anyone ever feel like that? <laughs> I'm the only one? <laughs> That's the enemy. And he comes. And we've got to say, you don't need to be afraid, but we have to, we have to do what David said. Lord... Help me. Deliver me from this. But God didn't always respond instantly. And in the end of the chapter, he said, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in my circumstance? No. In your salvation. In your salvation. We rejoice in salvation. And we will sing the Lord's praise. He worshipped. So he prayed. He cried out in prayer. He trusted in God's love. He sang the praises of God, and his, he rejoiced in his salvation. So that's our response when things are not easy. I know we want to talk about when things are great, but you're always going to get from me more like the real, when things are not great. <laughs> and I was reminded of God's promise to Joshua. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen and protect you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's God's promise. Do not be afraid. I'm, af I'm with you. And that's what I want to say to restoration. Do not be afraid. God is with us. The answer is not to lose hope or quit doing what you're doing when things are hard. It's to pray and to pray and to pray some more. And we have just been so convicted, this not convicted like we haven't been doing it, more just like stirred that we have to pray. This year, specifically, God just keeps saying, pray and pray and pray and pray fervently. And keep praying. Pray for the, just the plans and purposes of God, for protection, for favor, for people to be saved, for the lost to come to know Jesus. Just pray. And keep praying. So that's now what I do when all these things come. I just start praying. Hugh and I started a Bible plan at the beginning of the year. Uh, reading the Bible in a year. It's like a Bible app. And we are loving it. I didn't want to tell everybody right away because I was like, what if we don't stick to it? But now we're a month in. So I think we're doing okay. <laughs> it is awesome. It starts with a devotional and then it's like reading, the Bible, reading a bunch of scriptures and you get through the Bible in a year. Um, and it's got us just really digging into the Word, but we just finished the life of Joseph. 
And of course, I know the story of Joseph since I was a kid. But Joseph, to read it again, what an amazing story. I mean, what an incredible story. I actually cried through the story this time. And I don't know why, but it hit me so hard. Just the redemption of the story. Here's Joseph, this young boy, favored by his father and favored by God. To be honest, God had amazing plans and purposes, and he had dreams of everybody bowing down to him, prophetic visions when he was a kid. And then at 17, his brothers sold him into slavery out of jealousy. And for 13 years, he was either a slave or a servant or a prisoner in a dungeon for things he didn't even do. I mean, that's amazing. But everywhere he went, he was given authority. Everywhere. A slave, servant, and a prisoner, he was given authority. And everything under him prospered because he had the favor of God on his life. Everything under him prospered. No matter even if he was in the prison. In all the years that he was a prisoner and slave, 13 years, and he knew God had spoken all these amazing things over him, he stayed close to God the entire time, and he didn't harden his heart. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's amazing to me. Sometimes our own circumstances can feel like a prison. Maybe you have a situation like that. You just wish it would go away. It feels like a prison. You can't escape it. But when you look at Joseph, you can see it is the plans of God and the purposes of God that prevail over our lives in the end. So when we have that feeling, we go to the Word and we see these heroes of faith and these people in the Bible that you see. God is true to his promises and to his Word. So even if we're in a dark season, God's plans and purposes are going to prevail. He's going to bring about what he has for us. I, ooh, maybe that's not being told like it's all going to happen right now. So maybe it's not that exciting because who wants to be in a dark season? But we have to take some comfort in that and encourage ourselves in the Lord. God is good. But we also need to pray and draw near to God like Joseph. Don't push away from God. Also, when we need, the, we need the body, we need each other. The enemy wants to isolate us. Press in. Press in with the body of Christ. Find someone here who you can talk to. Find someone who can stand with you in prayer in a tough season. Even if you don't have to share every little thing, you can still just know somebody's praying with me. Share with us. Let people be there. Don't pull away and don't pull away from God. Press in to God. We serve an incredibly faithful God. He makes no mistakes in placing us here in this season that we find ourselves in. And he makes no mistake in putting restoration here for this time and place. So we want to be a people who point people to Jesus, to restore people's lives, and to feed the hungry and the thirsty. And I'm going to look back at Isaiah 58, just in coming, land, coming to land. Isaiah 58, 10 goes on to give this wonderful promise. If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and thirsty and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people, our people, 
where we build ancient ruins and will raise up age-old foundations and you'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And that's God's promise. That's a beautiful promise. And that's what we want to, God's promise, to satisfy our needs, even in a dry land, to guide us always and lead us always. He's good. And then his spring of living water that never, ever will run dry, that we drink from, the love of God. Isn't that a beautiful promise? We are called to be a people who raise up age-old foundations and rebuild, rebuild people's lives with ancient truths, the truths of the scripture, forgotten truths, not cool and trendy and new truths, old ancient truths that people need, that will feed them, that will nourish them. So in response, again, I just want to highlight, pray this year. Just pray. I mean, we pray always, but this year especially, just pray and pray and pray fervently. Hugh said that last week as well. Pray for the lost. Pray for our city. Pray for the nations. Pray for each other. Pray for opportunities to share about, about Jesus, right? Mark Bailey challenged us in that. Just pray for opportunities to share. Imagine if we were all praying for opportunities to share about Jesus every day. Imagine the testimonies that we'd have. Because I know God answers prayer. So imagine if we had all these testimonies. If we're all praying, Lord, give me an opportunity to share the law. So I'm going to be challenged to pray about that more. And join our prayer meetings. We pray once a month. It's a really great time coming together and just praying for our city. We intentionally pray for the outward, for the lost, and we pray for each other. Come join those once a month. Um, again, just prioritizing the prayer time because the Bible says to pray fervently. And plant seeds. Secondly, plant seeds. Share with others. I just felt... This week, God just kept bringing me back to planting seeds. Share about others what we have. Invite them to church. More people nowadays aren't radically saved. It's more like as they come into a loving body and a place they can kind of gradually learn about Jesus and eventually have revelation and hopefully come to a faith in him. Even for our children, right? We want to see them come to know the Lord. So uh, plant seeds. Psalm 126.6, I'll end with this. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy. This to me is a picture of people carrying seeds and weeping for the lost. Not like, oh, all hope is gone, but just the people who are willing to carry a heart for lost. Just carry a heart for people. <laughs> You know, and just willing to sow the seed. And God promises a harvest, and he promises joy in the harvest. And that's what we're doing here, and that's why we're here. And that's awesome, right? God is good. He's good.